Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. All right, I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I'm your host here as always, Chris Flaming, and today I have the honor of welcoming Bruce Wiley to the show. Bruce is the founder of American Tax and Business Planning based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. He has been a specialist for individuals and business owners for over three decades as author, speaker, and influential resource for tax law knowledge and application. Bruce, thanks for being here and welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. Yeah, let's have some fun. So I, you have a pretty interesting fun talking history. about taxes. <laughs> That's right. Well, I saw that you were also you also had a law background. So are you a recovering attorney or are you still practicing? I'm an attorney and a CPA. So I have <laughs> a couple. I have a lot of initials after my name and a lot of licensing requirements to keep up with. But, I know. Uh, I'm right there with you, brother. They serve purposes, so I keep them. They're, they're yeah. all good. Yeah, me too. So you have kind of an interesting history. Why don't you take me through what led you to starting your own business and uh, where you are today? Sure. So the tax planning business and the tax consulting kind of really came out of a meeting with who was a gentleman who was my most successful client at the time. So in about 2004, we used to schedule a, a meeting with this client every year, and he wanted to go through his company returns page by page. And this was before electronic filing days. Yeah. So we printed paper out and he's got seven companies and his personal return is 300 pages long. So we book a good five hours. And this day he had to write a check and he wasn't very happy about it. We usually do an end of year projection for him and we had done one this year, but his staff had given us some uh, bad data and uh, the, the estimate was way off. So he was writing a check that was, uh, you know, let's say six digits. And, you know, I had called his controller that week and said, hey, this is what we got to do. You know, just send a check down with him and and we'll be ready to go. And no. And we get to the end of the meeting and he takes out his checkbook, like a little wallet sized checkbook. And he's writing out a check for six digits Mm -hmm. on a little wallet sized checkbook. And you could just see the anger in his hand as it scrolled across the page. And he gets done with the check and he puts it on top of the documents that he's signed and he pushes them back across the table to me. And I put my hand out to grab it. And all of a sudden, his hand was on top of mine. That was a little unusual. He's a big Iowa farm boy, you know, and really successful guy. But, you know, we shake hands, but that's about it. But all of a sudden, my hand is smothered by his bear claw. And he looks me right in the eye and he says, tell me that we've done absolutely everything we can legally do to reduce this tax bill. And I just went, oh, man, I didn't know the answer. And at that point in time, I realized I had become a tax preparer and I wasn't a planner. And so I spent the next couple of years learning, borrowing ideas, refining ideas, figuring out as many different ways as I could for business owners to legally reduce their income taxes. And then I bundled them all up and made it so that they could all kind of work together in a good flow. And since 
that time, I like to spend the majority of my time doing the tax consulting and working with the business owners and helping them reduce their taxes. I've, I try to stay in the planning space and out of the preparation space and uh, really provide value to business owners that way. Awesome. Yeah, I love that story. So I guess if you could go back in time, I think you said you've been practicing for like three decades or something like that. If you could go back in time and talk to the younger you, what, what do you think is maybe some advice that you would give the younger Bruce? Something you know now that you wish you knew when you started out. That I didn't need to waste my time chasing the big firms and all their fancy business cards and fancy letterhead. And, you know, I went to uh, I got my accounting degree in 85 and I went to work for the tax department of Arthur Anderson in in Denver, Colorado, mm-hmm. decided I wanted to be a little bit more in depth on the tax side. So decided to go back to law school, went back to law school, came out, worked for a, a really big firm in Kansas City and, you know, was kind of promised that I was going to work in one area and they ended up kind of shoving me in another area that I really wasn't happy with and that didn't work out for me. So I came back to Iowa, found a job with a small firm here, wasn't paid. I mean, it was 1993 and I was being, I was an attorney CPA making $28,000 a year working for a firm in Iowa. And I could have been making more money bagging groceries. And uh, two and a half years later, I went into the partners and I said, Hey, look, you know, I'm bringing you almost a million dollars of business a year. I need a raise. They said, no, Two weeks later, I walked out the door. (laughs) I gave my notice right there on the spot and walked out the door and uh, started my own firm. So it's scary, but I've been on my own since 1996 and I have absolutely no regrets whatsoever. Okay. So how did you go about picking the main services that your firm offers? I mean, you kind of gave us that story, which was the genesis of how you got into the type of planning that you do, but the main services I, you know, that I viewed on your website, how did you go about picking that? Was that organic? It came from the type of clients you serve or was that intentional? It, it was a little of both. I mean, I've, I've always had an interest in tax. I mean, when I was hired to the Arthur Anderson tax department, I was the only person in their tax department that had ever been hired with only an undergraduate degree. <laughs> so I was working with, you know, guys that had master's and law, law degrees. And I always had an interest in tax I thought it was, you know, it's like death and taxes, right? Everybody's got to deal with them. So it's always a steady flow of business. I had gotten into the preparation side when I came back to Iowa and began to, you know, meet business owners and talk to business owners. And that's how I grew my Iowa practice. And then when in 2000, you know, I had that meeting with the client and started Mm -hmm. to really branch out into the consulting business. That's when I went nationwide. I started you know, getting some opportunity to speak on big stages to to business groups and business owners and really broaden my reach across the country so that I wasn't just an Iowa guy. And so my, you know, to answer your question about the Iowa law, I have a law firm, but the law firm basically exists to serve my tax planning yeah. business. I don't right. do a whole lot of Iowa law. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in court if I don't have to be. I, you know, th- those those deadlines really don't work in the tax world anyway because they're completely different. So, you know, I just kind of I've always liked tax. I like numbers. I'm good with it, and I've really feel like I felt found my niche. I mean, I I really enjoy what I do, and you know, there's not many places in the tax world where you get to work with a client who understands and appreciates your value, and they tell you about it. I mean, you you save a client a couple hundred thousand dollars on their tax return, they know it. 
and they know why. And, you know, most people don't like dealing with taxes. Most people don't want to pay taxes. They hate filling out the forms, but we have to. And, you know, our attitude is, hey, you know, our obligation is to pay the lowest amount of tax legally possible. Let's pay that. If we get audited, let's document. Let's have the law on our side. Let's win. And let's just change the conversation on tax instead of this one of fear and everybody's always trying to get away with something. Let's let's do it the right way because the law's got lots of opportunities for people to save taxes. Yes. You just don't know about it because nobody's telling them about it. Yeah. Or you can't find it or you can't interpret it when they put it in the code. <laughs> so well, what do you think? Some of that's intentional. They don't want you to understand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's And that's where a... That's where an expert comes in, where they can interpret that and also interpret the way in which it can be used from a legal standpoint. So, is there probably a is there a big misconception that people have when about what you do or when they first start working with you? Yeah, I mean, most people are thinking it's too good to be true. A lot of wives are worried that they're going to do something illegal and they're going to go to jail. And you know, we have conversations where no, that's not the case. I mean, I actually carry around in my briefcase a laminated sheet that tells me exactly for the strategy we're using, what the authority for it is and the basis upon which we're relying so that we know we're doing legal work. And so, you know, we'll get, you know, the most frequent conversation is with somebody's accountant mm-hmm. who they don't like the fact that the client's talking to me and that they may do business with me in the first place. And then they may not want to sign a return if they don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to work with them. I mean, there's no requirement that people move their accounting work to us, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because they like, well, the client almost always thinks that their accountant is looking out for them and making their tax bill as low as possible. And in virtually every situation I've ever seen, that is not the case at all. They're doing nothing except putting your numbers on a piece of paper and reporting it to the government. Yeah. No well, that's the that's the reactive versus pro, proactive or strategic, which we'll get into in a minute. And I find that typically to be true as well, um, where it's just here's my numbers and then they plug them in and do the return and here's the output. Yep. Yeah. And in the accountant's defense, I mean, the government continues to put a lot of obligations on them and it's, yeah. a, it's a miracle to get the paperwork done. They right. don't have time to think about planning. Yeah. They really don't. I mean, mm-hmm. they they get a call from you in December and you've had a really good year and they tell you to go buy a truck because that's what you can do in December. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. maybe not right now with the with the no. supply chain issues. No, but... you can't find one. You can you can order it now, but you have to wait till next December. That's right. Right, exactly. Okay. So then that that leads me into something I wanted to elaborate on. So kind of go through how your pr- approach is more proactive than reactive and what the benefit to the clients that you serve is because there's a big difference right oh yeah there absolutely is i mean so what we do is we look at each client situation and we we will put in planning that is recurring so it's not Mm -hmm. one-time stuff but we build a foundation for it so that it's recurring and as the business scales you can increase the use of it as you grow or if you've had a bad year we can scale back some things it, it's just something where, you know, most of my clients will, will engage in a, uh, a maintenance program that we have after they've done their planning that mm-hmm. you know, we have, we'll have three or four calls a year with either me or a team member where 
you know, we'll go through their numbers and like where we're at and, you know, Hey, this is what it looks like at the end of the year. And we're You know, so here's your options. What do you want to do? And Oh, by the way, there's a couple other things that have come up since we did your plan that maybe these will be applicable to you as well. So let's look at them. And so, you know, we try to change it into more of a let's manage the tax spend situation rather than you get to the end of the tax return process. And then all of a sudden you figure out whether you owe or you're getting a refund. Yeah. We, we really try to manage that from the beginning and, and, and control it so that you're not, you know, at the peak amount of taxes being paid and you're not just subject to a, whatever it comes out is what it comes out. I mean, you have a pretty good idea where you're going to be when it, when you're done. Yeah. Well, and I, it's probably similar. I know in our field, I mean, people don't like bad surprises. Yeah. Right. So good ones are good surprises are nice, but they don't like bad ones. So I can see where taking a more strategic approach where even if they don't like it, they know well in advance and they have some confidence in knowing that they've done what you believe to be everything that they could to make the burden as low as possible, even if they still end up owing. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I wish we could change the conversation in America a little bit because Americans have been trained or they've just assumed this role where if they get a refund, they think they did really good. And that's a, that's a financing question. You know, that's, that means you paid in way too much. Mm -hmm. That doesn't matter to me. You, You should be looking at what your total tax number is and what the percentage your effective tax rate is. Right. And those are the numbers you should worry about. The refund is 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 secondary yeah. to me. Right. But right. I wish we could change the focus of Americans so that they at least paid more attention to re- what really goes to taxes. So yeah, it's much more than they think it is. It's devastating for the clients I work with. It's amazing. You know, you get into the 42, 43 percent. And then if you deal with a California person with, you know, 13 percent top marginal rate plus a one percent mental health tax over a million. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's some significant dollars. I mean, that's almost a sixty percent, sixty-five percent, you know, tax, and that's right. just astronomical. Yeah, we're talking European levels or worse at that point. Yeah, I mean, that's just confiscation at that point. To be honest with you, that's my opinion, of course. But I, yeah. I mean, those people should be planning all day long. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. If you're not going to relocate, then you should at least do some planning. Yeah. So on the speaking of that, kind of on the tax landscape and what you see for the future, maybe some things that either have been passed or that are, are being proposed to be passed. What do you think maybe successful business owners need to be aware of right now on the, you know, as, as far as the tax landscape goes? Well, I mean, the, the big thing that's made the news this year is the bill that passed where they, you know, provided funding for up to 87,000 more agents. It's not you know, I don't know that they'll ever hire that many agents. I mean, they tried to hire a lot of agents last year to, to get them through the tax return backlog, and they they hired a grand total of 750. Yeah. The, the amount of retirements from the IRS right now is really alarming because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of really good people in the IRS that care about doing things right. And so as a person that has to represent taxpayers before the IRS, you know, I'll have auditors that are good and auditors that are bad. And when you get a good auditor, I tell you what, it's night and day difference and you get to a conclusion quickly and you can have conversations about things candidly and and boom, you just get it solved. And when you get somebody that really doesn't know what they're doing, or I don't know if they skip breakfast that day or what, but yeah, actually grind, whatever night and night and day difference. And so the amount of talent leaving the IRS for retirement is alarming. 
Mm. If they're going to bring in new agents, I think that people in my position are going to spend a lot more time educating the IRS than, uh, than the other way around. But, uh, you know, that, that's a little bit alarming. So we're on a big kick right now with our clients that anything you do, I mean, look, you know, most business owners probably have something in their return of like, Oh, you know, we took the family on a trip and it's buried in travel or something like that, you know, and I don't get all that upset about all that stuff because I know what happens, mm-hmm. but you have to assume that the risk of audit is going to go up. So we've been on a, a document, document, document. People need to know that the IRS will not accept a bank statement or a credit card statement as a receipt for a purchase. You need the actual purchase receipt. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling a lot of clients to start using technology. So there's a couple apps out there where you can take pictures of your receipts. And at the end of the year, it sends you a PDF of all your receipts. And that's a fantastic tool. I use it. I think, you know, we encourage our clients to do that stuff. And and really, you know, our mantra is document and let's prepare to win an audit. If they're going to come after us, that's fine. We got nothing to hide. Let's win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where the documentation and the pre-preparation and that going under the assumption that it's going to happen. That's yeah. where taking that mindset would be really important. Well, and you got to remember, right, is they're going to hire 87,000 agents over the next 10 years, but they are going to be auditing returns. So you file the 2021 return, you know, the, the deadline for the individual extendants is Monday. Uh, and I know we got a, a little bit of time delay before this gets broadcast, but, you know, you may not know for two years that you're be audited. The IRS has up to three years to do it. If they commence an audit in year two, they're going to ask you for a statute of limitations extension, and then you're going on for another year at least. So, mm-hmm. if you so you really should do it contemporaneously. That is a habit that you know in your organization. Anybody that has a company credit card, anybody that is traveling for you for business, should have one of these apps. Should be a requirement of employment that they document their receipts with their you know when they get reimbursed. And that they they provide the receipts, and if they're not providing the receipts, they don't get reimbursed mm-hmm. because it's they're going to hit travel hard, they're going to hit you know meals hard, and there's the enhanced documentation with meals and things like that where you're supposed to list who was with you at the meeting mm-hmm. and what the business purpose was, and you know it's funny because I business purpose means a lot of things to a lot of people, and I actually had an IRS auditor in a room once, and I said okay tell me, what do you guys consider business purpose to be? Because I keep going around in circles and I get a different ex- yeah. definition from you guys. And this auditor was cool. And they just said, Hey, you know, we look at it this way is what did the business hope to accomplish from having the event or the thing that they bought? And if you can articulate that you've got business purpose down. So folks, when you go to a meal, who do you eat lunch with? What was the business purpose? Right. What did you hope and, to accomplish? It should just become a habit because if you don't have it, it's going to be an ugly audit. Yeah. And maybe just for the business owner uh, people that are listening, would you mind listing those apps? Do you, do you mind? Uh, well, the one, the one that I use is Expensify. Okay. Uh, and candidly, I do not agree with the owner's politics. The owner sent out some emails to the list, uh, customer list they had at the last election. And that really bothered me. Mm-hmm but I still use the app because I haven't found another one that I like and that works as, as well for the okay, way I okay. use it. So I know there's other ones out there, but it's, it's, it's linked to con, uh, concur, which okay. is the big travel app. A lot of organizations use. So. All right. Thank you for that. 
Yep. Um, Bruce, so talk to us about the concept of an outsourced CFO. What is that and, and who's a good candidate for that? Well, you know, we find that there's a lot of times where businesses are at, at this stage of going to the next level and they may not have computer infrastructure, accounting back office. Uh, they may need help with financing. How are we going to finance our next round of growth and, and those sorts of things? And so, you know, we look at strategic CFO services in a little bit different way. So for instance, right now on our, our strategic CFO side, you know, we're helping a really, really large company. Well, it's not a really large company. It's a, it's a small business that's successful, but their back office is in disarray. So we're helping automate the reconciliation process for all their bank accounts so that they don't have to manually you know, reconcile books. And we're upgrading their software system and we're helping them do all that because they don't have the manpower to do it. And so, you know, we view that as a strategic CFO function because it's going to, you know, streamline operations, make processes more efficient and make the organization run better. We have another organization that is seeking capital because it wants to grow. And so we've helped them analyze different options for fundraising and, and you know, what markets do you want to be in? How much money do you want to raise? You know, and how do we put together your business plan? You know, how do we identify uses and needs of cash? and really worked with them to get ready for, you know, going to market with their offering. And so, you know, strategic CFO means a lot of different things, but, you know, we've been able to assemble a team of people that are have run companies, have been CFOs in large organizations, are CPAs, MBAs, just really smart people that know how to solve problems. And, you know, the fractional CFO is awesome for most companies because, you don't have the bandwidth or want to add a $250,000 person to your payroll. And that's what a good CFO is cost wise. But if you can get a fraction of that person and accomplish what you need to accomplish, then, Hey, it's a really cost-effective way, you know, to grow your business, solve the problems that you have with growth and get ready for the next period of your company's life. Yeah, no, that's well said. And it's, a, that's a, that's a good service, especially the way that you put that there where you don't have the means or you're not ready to bring on the permanent CFO at that pay rate. So tell us, you're an author. Um, you have this book. It's called The Secret System. Tell us a little bit about that. And if you're willing to tell us a, a little bit, a little secret, then that would be good. And why you wrote it and when, kind of what is it about? Well, the, the secret system is kind of a, it's a brief encapsulation of some of the basic tenets we use in our tax planning. And it was really meant as a promotional piece, to be honest, uh, when I do trade, when I used to do trade shows and stuff like that, it was a giveaway. And then I, you know, started, people started to say, you know, Hey, there's a lot of really good ideas in here. I'm like, okay, well, we'll put it on Amazon and see if we can sell a few. Right. Uh, I I think my royalties have maybe masked a hundred dollars. So we're, you know, I've got my retirement income set on that, but the people in America really need to get comfortable with the notion that planning is legal and that it can be accomplished. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, if they get comfortable with that, then it all begins to kind of come together and make sense for them. I mean, if, if you have a business owner paying $100,000 a year in taxes and you can save them 40% of that bill, what can they do for their business with that $40,000? Or what can they do for their with their family with that $40,000? Mm-hmm. Conversely, if you've got somebody making the kind of money that they're paying 200 or $300,000 of taxes, 
Again, you save them 40 to 50% on their tax bill legally. What can they do with those resources? And so we look at it as a way to uh, enhance wealth, grow the business faster because you've increased the working capital. And the secret system really is a way to just kind of get the ideas out there so that people become more comfortable with them and understand that there are things that you can legally do. You know, they're not, some of them require a little bit of effort, a little bit of work, but pretty much anything that's ever been worthwhile requires that, right? I mean, if it's easy, it's probably not worth it. And so, you know, that's one of them. I mean, you know, for instance, one of the most overlooked strategies of all time is it's called the Augusta rule, right? It's a simple strategy. Your business can rent your home from you for up to 14 days a year. And the income you receive is not taxable income to you. So long as you haven't rented out more than 14 days a year, pretty easy concept, right? You can find out what the fair market value rental of your, your house is. You can do market comparability, We have access to actually a master appraisal who will do an appraisal for you, tell you what that rental value is. And then if you document the business purpose and use use your home, so you have a a strategic planning meeting among your key management personnel at your house to get them away from their phones and their desks, Mm -hmm. your company can pay you tax-free rent that day. Every accountant in America has at least had some familiarity with this rule, and yet nobody proactively uses it. I mean, so it's things like that, that, you know, you're having them anyway. You're having dinner meetings at your house. You're having a barbecue for your staff in the summertime as a, you know, hey, let's get together and just have fun. So why aren't we taking the tax benefits that go along with that? So that's what it really is, is is we try to use common sense, commonly available planning tools that people just don't know about. And it's really just a matter of education. I view myself more as a teacher than anything else. Right. Yeah. That's the the educational component, making people aware of what they can do, reassuring them that it's legal to do it, and then providing them the leadership and the guidance to take the steps to put them in place. So what do you see then, Bruce, as the biggest opportunity going forward in your firm? As more and more business owners learn about what we do and that they can do something, that's my opportunity is because every year, you know, if I can get to 30 to 50 new clients a year, then, hey, I've changed 30 to 50 families' lives. And yeah. that's that makes all the difference to me. Uh, then, then, of course, I've got to scale that growth. So, right. uh, but uh, it's a fascinating world to be in. And, and, and it's, there's nothing like being in a tax planning meeting and you get done with it and the client just looks at you and says, oh, my God, I wish I would have met you five years ago. Yeah. And that's a really great feeling. And you don't get that very often as a tax person. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, right. it's not a world with a lot of thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of similar in my field where someone says, I, I should have met with you sooner, or I wish I had met with you sooner, you know, based on everything we accomplished, I wish that we had known each other before. So I could have done some of this stuff proactively. And I guess kind of on the flip side of that, and you kind of hit it on the head with scaling. Is that what you see as your biggest challenge for your business right now going forward, obstacle-wise, or is there something else that you might need to overcome? Yeah, no, scaling is 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 the op- is the hard part right now. Um, experienced tax people are really hard to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, experienced accounting people are hard to find. Um, I don't know where they all went. I've talked to a lot of business owners, and we don't know where everybody went. Seemed like we had a lot of people a couple of years ago, and now all of a sudden they're all gone. But so that, that's the hard part. But I also think that the economy tightening and the recession come, you know, the recession's here, whether they want to acknowledge it or not. Yeah. 
I think that's going to open up some opportunity to really find some quality talent out there. And, you know, you always hire talent when it's available and you can, you can find ways to grow into them. So take advantage of it. Yeah. Stay one or one and a half people ahead of where you think you're going to be. And then you, when the, when the business comes, you're prepared for it. Yep. So Bruce, if people want to learn more about you or contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? Is that your website? Yeah, there's a contact form on our website, which is www.american, A-M-E-R-I-C-A-N-T-B-P, so Tom Bravo Paul.com. or they can call the, the office uh, 319-390-5555, and there's a, a phone tree there that'll send you to the tax planning side, and uh, Kathy's uh, my right arm in that business, and she'd be happy to visit with you and see what we can do to help you. Okay. Awesome. Well, Bruce, listen, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here with me today. It's been a true pleasure to interview you. Really good information. And I want to thank everybody for listening and watching the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we hope to raise the confidence of business owners and retirees, everyday people to another level, one show at a time. Thanks for being everybody listening, watching. Be well, take care. Bruce, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.